Good everybody, welcome to Wombat Radio. <laughs> uh, we're in London today and we're speaking with Alice Galfini. G'day Alice. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I feel like I should say g'day back. Yeah. G'day. G'day. Should we start with who you are and what you do? <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, so I'm an artist and um, I guess I've also been teaching for the last three or four years um, and uh, I also write but my yeah my work is mainly performance based um, and recently I've been doing some f- facilitation mm-hmm. um, as a sort of research way of sort of conducting my own research so yeah my practice sort of straddles performance and facilitation and yeah I think I mentioned teaching because it feels like it has quite a big impact on my practice as well who someone someone dead who said that you don't understand something until you can teach somebody else maybe Mm. it was Einstein but I feel like a lot of shit gets attributed to him (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's probably a woman at some point or (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) must have been Einstein (laughs) I'll just take that yeah okay um, so, yeah, that's that's um, that's what I'd say. I do, I do. Um, and what's the anchor that all of these forms are uh, conveying, or like what is spe- when you are teaching, when you're facilitating, when you're mm. making work, when you're mm. writing, when you're performing? Is there a commonality? Yeah, I think so. I think it's. I think there's like a few things that I'm trying to do or yeah like an anchor I like that word actually um I think that it's something about like bringing attention to the situation that we're in Mm. um um trying to create situations where people can be together Mm. or where uh, I guess a sense of wanting to be with others so trying to create moments for that um and also trying to understand like my relationship to the world but through um through like felt through a felt experience or through a subjective experience because I think that's what I feel is um more natural or intuitive for me to do So it's somehow trying to create situations where that's allowed. Yeah. Um, and it's not about um, knowing things. Yeah. Or um, having read up on it or... Yeah. You know, so trying to create, I guess, situations where something um, can be observed collectively, um, can, we can, like, improvise together, something can emerge mm. that wasn't there beforehand um yeah okay there's a lot that i want to ask you about in that because whoa uh all of that shit totally excites me as well okay oh cool (laughs) and uh maybe we can zoom into like specific things you've done in specific projects like uh and then out to because i totally get on the uh it really activates me to think about something emerging that is more than the sum of its parts but because you Mm. get the parts in the right order 
or together at the same time in the, in the right spirit. So maybe what was the work that I've read about that was like the, the place that we've made for ourselves? Oh, the conditions yeah. we've set up for ourselves. Yeah, okay, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a more fancy way of saying it. <laughs> Get it right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that work was... Um, did you want to know... I guess I want to know, It was, is, am I just drawing a relationship between what you just said and the title, or was that work kind of uh, making some of the stuff happen that you were just talking about? I think, yeah, I think, it, um, I think maybe around that time that I made that piece, I realised that that I a lot of my work came from the. Um, I wanted the work to come from what was already happening, or what was what I was a part of, or I was observing a particular group at the time that I was on a residency with. I was observing them and what they were working with. And I was thinking a lot about, well, why does... Yeah, um, working with what you have and that being... There always being something in that. um, uh, Or finding the potential in what already exists. um, Like, really excites me. Yeah. Um, And so I think around that time I started to notice that a lot of my work did that there was like a commonality between it sorry there was a commonality between the works because they all kind of took that approach Mm. even though maybe the situations were different or maybe the buildings were different I was responding to or the groups that I was with were different um but yeah I think it was observing this group that I was with at the time how they um made do with what they had Mm. and how um sort of something emerged out of a very like um normal situation mm, yeah. um is that a bit i don't know if that's yeah. a bit vague or no what? no no. i but, guess um, let's zoom i would say we're at like middle point zoom yeah so let's zoom in yeah to what does that mean that you did like you watch them and then you wrote something or you follow around with a camera with like a david attenborough voice and here we notice the artists and the <laughs> natural habitat of an abandoned factory building <laughs> They're scrabbling on the floor. I'll <laughs> write some words and put it on Instagram and it will be called a practice. <laughs> or It's um, an expanding painting practice. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's talk about the logistics of what you did. Like, Did you become part of the group or did you, were you an observer of the group and you made a documentary film about it? Or what? Yeah, I was an observer of the group. Yeah. Um, so I filmed some of their meetings that they had and the meetings happened around kitchen in kitchens in their house in each of their houses um so i filmed the meetings sort of like completely not knowing really what i was going to find in the in that footage yeah or whether it was even interesting or not maybe that speaks to your when you were mentioning before about following the feeling hmm and that you had the feeling and then you uh, valid, you like legitimise the feeling by taking action on it. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. I think, yeah, I think there was something about, um, uh, yeah, doing something with what I had that was yeah. 
the only way forward really yeah um i still don't know whether like when i look back at that video i think i found a thread of interest in it but i think for example like i wish i'd filmed it better um there are a lot of things that i think like i wasn't paying attention to i was paying a lot more attention to the group and how they related to one another and um the way they seem to kind of uh make things happen um because because of these kind of like meeting because of these shared dinners that they had and i guess i was just like excited about the fact that there was a sense of sort of collaboration and community yeah um and i wanted to try and focus on that in particular and yeah i don't know and then you made a film yeah, so then I made a film which was silent and it just had subtitles um, that that drew out some of the conversations right. that were either they'd had naturally or that I'd proposed to them, yeah. proposed questions to them. And so there was like moments when they're I'm ta- asking them to talk about the building in which they're in nice. and how they imagined it was built because a lot of them were architects. Huh. And... I kind of was interested in my perspective as an outsider or as someone who isn't trained in architecture. Yeah. Um, Thinking about, like, this fact that we were just eating dinner here, but, like, how their perception of the space was maybe very different from mine. Right. Um, That maybe they were more sensitive to supporting structures or to unstable practices or something. Yeah, yeah, or how maybe just how they thought about space in a... Mm, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah, about yeah. knowledge that I'm kind of get get fixated on yeah. in the work that but, I make. But not all knowledge, right? Like space is quite yeah. a central tenant to mm. your mm. almost what you notice. There's this practice that maybe you've done it. Dancers do it when they're improvising, which is like notice what you notice. Mm. And so space seems to think, be one of the things that I've noticed that you notice. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, notice which part of this situation or which part of this experience you're... Yeah, is speaking to you, mm, yeah. That's interesting. So it's sort of like, because in in meditation, Uh, the idea is that you're kind of noticing, you're trying to observe yourself observing. (laughs) So I guess it's like that, in a way. It's kind of, um, uh, yeah, um, placing yourself outside of yourself and, and that's not even just visually is it because I watched your I'm gonna m- m- like paraphrase the title again that's but fine. where you the there was um, a voice in a room and a hall yeah do you want to say the actual yeah. title um, two speakers one speaker a hall a room oh god I don't even know the a hall title a room no 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 you're right you're a hall a right. room yeah <laughs> don't doubt yourself yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it seemed maybe it's this is just what I'm noticing and now I'm colouring it, but it seems like what was going on there was a consideration of space and subjectivity. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah I <laughs> think because that's more of a new piece of work, I think maybe that's easier yeah. to talk about. Um, yeah, I think that um, that was me trying to bridge the gap between these situations I'd had in groups or Mm. these situations I'd facilitated in groups and then my own experience either facilitating 
or just being a participant within a group mm-hmm. and trying to kind of um think about yeah how i'm how i'm experiencing the space and then and um, what uh i guess what situations i'm bringing um in comparison to the others so that i guess i was interested in this idea of multiple realities within the same room and how we might describe the space or how we might describe our experience of the space and and how that language is kind of just drawing upon all these other situations or these other um yeah well what i really enjoyed about it was uh many things i mean i only saw it on video i didn't see it live but i enjoyed that you were a normal person Mm. that was really nice because a lot of performance gets that wrong and and I, i enjoyed that there were multiple speakers and microphones set up which um created the uh expectation that there were different subjectivities to be had and then i enjoyed that those different subjectivities were to do with the speaker being the speaker the person speaking and Mm. also the speakers that are in the room magnifying the sound and the space as it is heard and that's what tells you what the space is like. Mm. And that when you explained that this is a room and then this is a hall and they sounded different, um, it was like a much more poetic version of VR, almost. Like the virtual reality mm. trend that's... Like, there's a bunch of <laughs> VR bars at the moment in London that I've been looking up to go into. And they oh, all wow. seem a little bit tacky. <laughs> but this one, this seems like a poetic version of that, where it's like actually... You, you as the performer will come this far and then the audience has to, has to meet you and then generate that space so that you can share this space that you're imagining together. I think that's really exciting, like, yeah. the way you say that because I think that's exactly what I want to try and do, that there's some kind of, like, conjuring up of something. Mm. Um, and it takes, yeah, it takes the audience to somehow commit to that a little bit yeah. um, or to yeah to i was just thinking about the book um invisible cities by italo Mm. calvino and i was thinking about how in those different chapters these yeah these different architectures are described and like how through language like a space can like emerge or yeah like you said through the through the acoustics or something you can like conjure a space yeah um and yeah, and, and and then like, what could be created that's actually sort of outside of physical reality mm. between myself and the audience, mm-hmm. or between a group of people? Yeah, which. See, mm. I mean, it feels like that's the job of the artist, right? Is to say, yeah, 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 we're all here in base reality, <laughs> having having this like experience of cement is hard and water is wet but like if we tweaked the rules and just had a little bit of imaginative experience how could we reposition mm. our subjectivity so that our togetherness is more pronounced mm. yeah well, what comes out of our togetherness or some, mm, mm, something mm. like why do we yeah like if we put our heads together somehow something um, something Emerges, can happen yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I was thinking like, I don't know, I don't want to get too <laughs> into theory or something, but I was thinking about um, on my way here that there's this essay by a physicist called David Bohm. Do you okay. know him? No. He died in the 90s, I think. And, um, oh, Bohmium Theory? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've watched YouTubes. I haven't read okay. the essay. Something about like the 10 minutes with the animations makes it sink in much better for Oh, me. yeah, yeah. I think it probably would for me as well. Okay. I think I'd probably learn easier like that. But there's this essay called On Dialogue, and he talks about... Um, he just talks about the difference between dialogue and discussion. Ooh. And that dialogue um, comes from like... I think it's the latin dialogos which means through the word and he talks about this idea that through the word or through dialogue something emerges that wasn't there before and that we're that in dialogue the idea is that no one's trying to win that everyone wins because like something new is created and in discussion actually what you what you're doing is you're like breaking things up and you're analyzing and you're kind of using other people's points to try and... Um, right, it's reductive yeah. in an argumentative frame. Yeah, okay. and it's about you being wrong and me being right, and yeah. and that's the framework. And But what reminded me of that is this idea of like something something like new happening yeah. that only could happen if the group... It only happens if the group all buy into that and they yeah. all kind of chuck their ideas into the middle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And do you think that there's certain conditions that we take responsibility for setting up that can that means that that either happens or doesn't happen? Because we do take a lot of care to set up certain conditions. Not saying that we always do it well or that we always have the resources to follow through, but there's... As a, artists. Yes, there's yeah. a sensitivity. Yeah, definitely. Which, like, could be framed as being sensitive or could be framed as being uh, acutely aware and trained to notice those things. Mm. Like a sniper has a kind of sensitivity, for example, <laughs> that they have right. to have to execute their job. Right, to put themselves in a particular position. Yeah. Um, or, or know, know the possible outcomes or something of. I guess it's like it's yeah. You're talking about like how you approach. I guess um, I'm thinking about if we um, if we get specific about the conditions. Mm. What do, what have you noticed that? is important in the conditions like is it just mm. really fuzzy words like um <laughs> safety <laughs> yeah. yeah or is it specifically like not that this... safety should be laughed at but no yeah. safety is <laughs> so important but yeah. also so fuzzy once you get beyond yeah. uh, physical safety yeah um, yeah what what's I'm... safe for you and what's safe for me yeah yeah but i guess i mean like have you noticed that a temperature range of between 24 and 28 degrees mm. is kind of optimal mm -hmm. for people to be warm enough to be loose enough to not be worried about having to hold on to their preconceived notions. Yeah. You know, shit like that is what I mean. Or like biscuits. All you need is biscuits. 
and then people will really just stay for longer. They'll open up. Guys, I want you to do handstands. I've got biscuits. <laughs> um, I think, that's, yeah. That's it, what being a dancer is, actually, except it's extrapolated into do it on the beat and here's the money and you go, go and buy your own biscuits. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think from my experience, I think that it's a mixture of um, trying to be as transparent as possible about your intentions mm. when you're working with people or when they're part of the work in some way. Right. Also, I found with it's felt better to be more transparent even when I'm doing a performance and there's an audience. Huh. Not to the point where I'm telling them exactly what I'm trying to do or why, okay. but to somehow outline the structure and to try and... Um, Maybe this is I'm trying to talk about something else, but I'll talk I'll talk about that in a minute. But I think I think for me it's like it's also putting enough confidence in the audience and not trying to like um, mother them too much or something right, right. that like I think that they might not be able to do it or that they would. Right. Would it's, it, it's would like it be an analogous to agency? Yeah. Uh, in their hands or something, whilst also explaining um, what the purpose is for me in this. Right. Um, Shit. Um, yeah. Um, don't think I've an idea. That quite well, it's all hard, right. We yeah. keep we continue the dialogue and yeah. we see what happens. Yeah. You just made me think of this idea where instead of say telling your child about Santa, yeah, you frame it that there there is a a cultural belief in this idea of Santa, mm. and it'd be fun if we all bought into it. And so you're putting you're putting yeah. an agency into that person to say I'm not going to lie to you, I'm not going to deceive you, mm. but this is a cultural framework that, like, it's a, a very fun, um, non-factual. Should we operate within this for a little while and see yeah. how fun it is? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like um, putting that, yeah, like I guess creating the safety in that sense of like this isn't. Um, this isn't something we all have to buy into like permanently or um, it doesn't have to somehow marry up with all of our belief systems but like what happens if we just like try this out and see how it feels or you you can try it out in the way you want and you Mm -hmm. can also try it out in Mm -hmm. the way you want and should we talk about the suspension of disbelief Mm. Mm. yeah Um, (laughs) because I realised not not early enough, like maybe only a few months ago, that I, a lot of my work was still stuck in this uh, aiming towards facilitating suspension of disbelief, this right. filmic, cinematic situation, where which um, I'm still on board with, but I don't think needs to... I don't think I, as the performer or the artist or the director or whatever, needs to do all the work anymore. Um, but I want to know what you think about it and what, like, how you've played with that concept of suspension of disbelief. And yeah, I think I think I'm interested in like maybe bringing people completely down to reality, oh, right. um, and not. Although I talked about, I guess, like trying to maybe conjure up something. Yeah. Um, this is this weird, is real yeah. because maybe it's a I also care about both of these things. And I wonder if it's because when you have an emergent um, 
you know, more than the sum of its parts experience if it is that you've conjured up. Yeah. If you've conjured it yourself and then you're trying to deliver it, you're trying to bring people on board just at the emergence level, then it's all reliant on this one point of failure. Whereas if you've met everybody at reality and you've conjured together, mm. then the foundation is strong enough that actually not only will it be more stable but it will be more rich yeah and it's not based on my Mm. uh, imagined reality or my yeah my conjuring Mm. Um, and also I couldn't have conjured it in the same way as as we do as a group you know or um, also to be in the presence of a group I think you may be for me, like you buy into it more than if you're on your own. Yeah. If, if someone just said to you, okay, go home and, you know, imagine uh, the potential of your own bedroom. What else could it be? Uh-huh. You know, whereas if you're in like a group of 20 people yeah. and you're sat there, yeah. maybe something happens, yeah. you know, that wouldn't have been like that without them. But I think that, yeah, I think that that's, that's something about... Um, wanting to be wanting to bring people into the exact situation that we're in and almost describing the structural framework around mm-hmm. which um you know even feels naive in a way because loads of artists have done this but like even to the point of kind of uh, establishing what the dynamics are between the audience and the performer and the way that people are sitting and the way that the space is functioning or what yeah like wanting to kind of draw attention to all those things and also like value all of the nuances or something Mm. but then also wanting to kind of move beyond that into like different architectures different spaces yeah yeah um yeah because what you're doing if when you're moving from a place of consideration into uh building different spaces is that you're then taking responsibility for the conditions but mm, in order to do one. that yeah exactly yeah, yeah 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 and i think i think the best thing that you can do in that situation is to be generous enough to kind of just describe your think your thought process mm. before before asking people to do that mm-hmm. um because sometimes I think previously with my work I've kind of expected people to be able to like jump in uh-huh. yeah. you know and, and know not exactly actually not actually give them like um, the framework yeah. around which I've come to that point um, yeah this is my cynicism around ballet is that I think hmm. the people that get it have been indoctrinated into it right and uh, it doesn't give you a way into it unless you've been indoctrinated into it yeah right um I guess that can sometimes feel the case for for art well I feel that way also about times. some sports that I don't know the right. rules to okay <laughs> so I'm like oh I don't I am not literate enough to invest whether this will succeed or fail right so you're purely like watching it almost as on an aesthetic level yeah I'm like <laughs> okay they hugged that person real hard <laughs> that was interesting <laughs> Wow, that seemed important. Lots of people <laughs> cheered for that one. Yeah. yeah. I remember that feeling when I went to um, 
an ice hockey match in Nottingham because it's a big thing in Nottingham and um, you know maybe it was like up to me to have read up on the rules before I went but when I got there I realised I was watching it and everyone was so it was such a everyone was so vocal and so like involved I guess like in football but it felt like even more and I was feeling like I had to just like yeah literally experience it on a kind of um Almost, yeah, almost like watching theatre that I had no historical right. contextual background knowledge for. Just, yeah. yeah, just like watching people move around and. Yeah, yeah. It's um. like Buto almost. Mm. I feel that, like, I feel as illiterate. Right. But I know that really something is happening. Yeah, for because them it's or internal. For the or... Next to me or. Right. No, just because I don't know enough about it. Right. But also in Buto, have you ever tried it? No, tell me about it. I've only tried it twice okay so maybe i should interview a buto specialist is yeah. that what you're saying okay yeah 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 but what but from my experience of doing it is that it's yeah. like a very um intense internal experience and i right. often wonder how much that bleeds out into the world yeah yeah and do you think that as a performer you're responsible for that like you're responsible for first mm, okay so as the artist you're yeah. responsible for noticing things and then giving things the space and the time and the resources to become. And then, are you responsible for how it bleeds out into the world? Or are you responsible just for expressing how it has affected you? And by that I mean when you craft performances, mm. I guess, is part of the crafting of performance the responsibility of how it will be seen and taken and how generous you are being? And do you have to go through the experience each time or can you just like set up the choreography or the performance as the conditions? Like it's not that now the room is the conditions or the biscuits are the conditions, but if you do these seven steps with this much conviction, that is a set of conditions that will facilitate the facilitate the audience. Or um, if you teach these modules over this time frame, that is a set of conditions that will help somebody learn something I don't know whether it's like a control thing or not but I think that I feel like I have to somehow be going through it um, in like real time with the audience in the sense that I'm not just um, re-performing or churning out something and that's not to like discredit work that that, you know has been scripted and and Mm. is toured Mm. you know for a hundred shows or something but I think there's something that maybe it's just something that gives me more pleasure or more feeling of purpose is when um, it's something that's sort of there's a like an element of like risk or unknown to the work that then can emerge when it's being performed or when I'm facilitating something so that it's so that it's a dialogue yeah so that it's and also so that it's not um i don't think i do necessarily have something predetermined that i want to bring to the audience right i think that i want to create a situation where something yeah something emerges yeah how Um, do you do that though how do you know when you found these conditions or when you I think it like you can feel it in the moment when things like kind of sparking Mm -hmm. um almost outside of you Mm -hmm. you know or um 
I guess I'm talking about two different things like in a in like a conversation between a group of people like that I've facilitated I can feel when something's happening when it's got like a momentum and I'm not even doing anything anymore like I've set up the framework and then it's like there's a life or something but then in a performance I think that that the same happens when I feel like actually I like go off piste a little bit and I find myself doing something in the space that I hadn't planned um but there's like some feeling of like risk or energy to it Mm. yeah yeah yeah. Um, I wonder also if this is what clubs try and do or bars Mm. they're like we've set up the conditions (laughs) yeah and now you come here and have uh uh an experience with somebody and you feel the magic or you don't but like even if you've been in a parallel yeah yeah, if you've been in a a, I don't know cafe or a bar or whatever as it's turned from day to night and the music gets louder and then suddenly you feel like oh there's a real vibe there's lots of energy in this room and actually it's just that you're yelling (laughs) because more people have showed up and you need to be louder and that's them again yeah and then I wonder about that like I guess when you go on a first date or something or a blind date and you're waiting also for that same feeling, that same sense mm. that says we are in concert or we are in, we are in dissonance. Mm. Yeah, like uh, something that um, emerges between you both mm. or it really doesn't. <laughs> you just stay as two separate <laughs> individuals. Yeah, you, yeah. Are, you arrive and you leave and you have not. Um, you've not changed in the process in any or uh, you yeah, yeah that actually that's a really nice i what would be the word um hope for any mm. live art I- experience is that you've somehow changed in the process mm. in complete contrast to in um Sydney the train network their logo is their their slogan sorry is that uh, a lot of effort goes into giving you a forgettable journey, and I feel That's like they, they've really, yeah, they've really mastered wh- what their job is, mm. which is to be completely forgettable, invisible. Yeah, mm. invisible. And mm. so we're t- we're talking about trying to do the other thing. We're like, how do we create the conditions so that you can be changed by them in a way that is in response to how you want to be changed, to how you're ready to be changed, no. rather than. Um, this is what's good for you and yeah, this is like how I need to transform your life. A way or a... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or a cultish way. Or, yeah. 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 Um, In the conversations, when you get groups of people together... For dialogue and um, discussion, what is your hope for that? Like, is it is there hope across many levels? Like, is there a Maslow's hierarchy of hope? We're like, okay, first we're all going to be safe and warm, <laughs> then we're going to have biscuits, and then you know we can be intellectually and emotionally stimulated, mm. and then we can somehow like manifest our full selves because we'll be challenged as well as grow I, I don't know I mm. don't want to put words into your mouth but I'm giving an example no I think um, I think I'll say I feel like 
I'll say it out loud and then I'll see if it sounds too poncy. But um, I think that what I like, what I hope in some ways yeah. is to learn from others. Yeah. Um, I think my own like subjective experiences are very strong and I feel like um, I almost feel like sometimes I can't separate what's happening out in the world from my own mm. experiences and so it's in some attempt to like listen to other voices and see um, how other people are viewing the situation or um, mm, yeah like uh, I guess va- yeah like wanting to value wanting to value my own subjectivity by valuing others or something that's nice um, and it, it also humbles your own subjectivity by giving yes. equal credence to others yes yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, rather than like this is how it is <laughs> you know um, yeah and also my hope is that um I don't know. I, I've got a feeling of like it feels uncomfortable to to do things that are participatory mm. in because I feel like what am I trying to do? Get something from people, or yeah. am I trying to involve them in my artistic process? Yeah. I don't know. Like if it's either of those things, I think it's like um, more a feeling of like wanting to uh, just like I said earlier, like get people together, yeah. see what we can do. Yeah. Um, and then that often forms the basis for like a, a performance that I might make but I guess I've got like a a kind of conflicted idea around that because I sort of think well why does it have to then become a performance that yeah. I perform <laughs> on my own you know you know yeah. what, what it could also just it can also just stay as a conversation yeah um what was your what was your question again I've well yeah for sure i don't know but uh what was my hope (coughs) yeah for getting the people together but you just reminded me that one of the about a year ago i ran a workshop that the title leaves a little bit to be desired but it, it was something we focused on um training that sense that you rely on to know when uh, when nothing's happening and when something's happening mm. um, for two reasons first of all because there's uh, in, in any physical performance training you quickly learn that your idea of where your arm is might not correlate mm. with the visual of where it is mm. and so then mm. you have to calibrate that and so it's kind of a calibrating workshop of you're feeling that something's happening but is it <laughs> or you're feeling is it that, visually <laughs> i think not is it visually but is it is something happening enough that you're not the only person right because if you're if it's like a one audience member experience and you're the audience and something's happening for you fine but if you're the correct choreographer or director if you're creating the thing mm-hmm. and you're relying on that sense to tell you to follow this idea then you hope that's calibrated within reality. Right. It's uh, not... You hope it translates somehow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you hope that... I think what... Mm, I mean, it's a long bow to draw, but maybe when you're talking about why does, why does this thing that's happening once I get this group of people together and then we 
move up to the emergent like mm. magic emerges mm. connection emerges mm. uh, that is also what I think about dancing is that there's lots of nothing mm. a lot of the time and at some mm. point it, it, if done in the right way and if framed in the right way and if supported in the right way that nothing becomes something mm. uh, it, the same with discussion right the same with dialogue is that uh, you can is it about the framework in order for that nothing to be something or mm. or is it just someone someone saying to you wait do that again or I guess it's a feeling yeah and if I would liken it to a social situation, like maybe you're at a dinner at someone's house and you get up to go to the toilet and you come back and you feel like something shifted. Yeah. Someone said something while you're away and then whatever was like floating above it in this like air of being connected, mm. that's dropped again. And now, okay, we need to like lift <laughs> need it back up. to work up, up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like that where there's a sense that we share that something has emerged mm. actually I'm super interested in um, emergence but what you were talking about from a base shared reality mm. um, how we how do you know it's shared I mean I mean I do know yeah, what you mean but I don't, how do we know that yeah we don't know yeah uh, and we're also not special like yeah. you, you, the same the same feeling that makes you decide to give money to that beggar not to that beggar yeah or the same um, feeling when a child falls over and you go and comfort mm. them mm. or the other time they fall over and you're like actually they're fine <laughs> yeah. and they're still crying just as loud but you have the feeling of what happened how it's happening for them like whether they're mm. crocodile tears or not mm. so um it's, I would liken it to a sense the same as your sense of balance. Right. It's not sight, touch, sound. Like It's, it's none of those big five senses that we mm. think we've only got. But if you close your eyes, you can tell if you're on balance or if you're off balance. And that's what's so ex- like exciting about roller coasters and so <laughs> terrifying about turbulence <laughs> or whatever because all of the liquid in your inner ear gets like sloshed around. Um, and I think we have a sense... A social sense as well for when something has shifted yeah I think and that's what I'm trying to set up the conditions for and that's why I think the dialogue and including other people in your work um, allows the emergence of that something but then also when you decide to perform yeah. it when you decide to go and make a show mm-hmm. I, I imagine then what you're doing is setting up um, another framework, a, another framework, another yeah. set of conditions, mm. and saying, "This time, guys, you don't have to do it." <laughs> or mm. you can kind of watch it unfold. I think that's it. I think at one point I wrote down in my notebook something like, "I'm just a container for these things," and I think that that's mm-hmm. I like that idea that mm. maybe like I kind of channel these different things mm. and. Uh, yeah I could speak different voices and I could conjure up different places or we could conjure up different places with an audience I mean me and the audience and 
yeah, you're right. That they, they they can like watch it unfold, mm. um, and maybe watch. Maybe it's just like one example of a body kind of in space, and they can just observe that and they can see. I don't know. Like maybe I'm just a stand-in or something. Ah, for or, them. Or yeah, for maybe. They know, or, or for an idea or a concept. Maybe. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm trying in that two speakers, one speaker performance. The last time I did it, I tried to, I'm trying to um, be more skillful with how I use my body in that performance because I think I want to try and explore the possibilities of the body as well as a kind of architecture of sorts or the way that it can um frame spaces or even make its own spaces Mm. and i think i want to i want to yeah i want to be more skillful in that like how if i'm using a body in a space my own body like there could be a way that i do that Mm. um that that allows people to like think of a different purpose for Hmm. this space or think of a different reality for this space yeah i guess that's what dance does doesn't it that's when it's good that's what it does yeah and when it's not good, it has failed to consider its power to do that. Yeah. I reckon. Uh, and I um, get the feeling that a lot of what it has to do with is, uh, at base, it's aware. It's if you are aware of what you are doing. Mm. Um, and how that could be read in relationship with what just happened and what is about to happen. Mm. Like there's some quote about the only thing that defines whether you played a wrong note when you're playing music is the next note you play. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Uh, and I think really, like, freestylers that really inspire me, Yeah, I think they must follow this kind of rule where it's not that they, they can't make a mistake because the only thing that would make that move a mistake is the next move that they do. And if it somehow is uh, disharmonious to that or refuses to accept yes where it now is that's interesting yeah. I, I think that's i'm really interested in that like uh, always seeing what what's become yeah what's yeah, yeah, become yeah. and and then working with that and yes. um yeah i guess it's hard not to be cynical <laughs> immediately when i say that because i don't know i think because um yeah. this idea that like maybe watching someone just improvise or watching someone just like see what emerges could be really yeah boring or it something. is shit until it's not right it is nothing yeah. until it emerges into becoming something and is that when you like is that when you allow your is that when you allow something to emerge beyond your beyond just what you think might be interesting or like yeah I think it's I don't of course I don't know this is what I think. I think if you are very skilled, mm-hmm. uh, then you are you are proficient. If you are proficient in the medium, mm-hmm. be it um, music or dancing or singing or whatever, then your worst thing could lead to your best thing because you can hold it together right. from your skill alone. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but there was another idea. I was thinking there are there are ways to make you think that you're having you can generate feelings from the inside and from the outside Mm. and so in this workshop is it 
is it something or nothing. Um, we, we just did tasks that I felt would generate feelings of something when actually nothing was there. So standing close enough to somebody with your eyes closed that you can feel their breath on mm. your cheek, mm-hmm. that is like an outside-in activation of intimacy. And so you start feeling the experience of... Like you're going through the motions of what would be an intimate act, but it doesn't come from the desire of wanting to be intimate with that person. Yeah. Uh, and so, so physical closeness. Just, that was one thing. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like you you boil down the emergent to the conditions. Mm. And so, and, and there are a few things like that. We even set up a situation. <laughs> this is when something happened in the workshop where you paired up with people and you danced for each other. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. It depends on different rules for what you want to achieve. Like when I was working in Berlin with Sophia and Daba, we had this practice, but every time we danced, we were, the viewer was responsible for, for when something emerged to try to facilitate that thing mm. later when we danced together, mm. but not through verbalizing it. Right. through some other type of danced facilitation, physical facilitation. Like okay. if you did something that I felt like was something, yep. then later when we danced together, I would try and facilitate for you to find that thing again. Right, so you'd like try and guide it or um, lead I would it towards... More like, it's, no, it's more like you're the surgeon and I'm the assistant handing you whatever you would need. Right. The scalpel, the suction, whatever. Okay. Um, and if you didn't want it you just wouldn't take it from me but, yeah but in this workshop i digress in this workshop what it felt like when we we're dancing for each other there were there was a moment like and it, of course it's nothing because you've set up the conditions for age and gender and sex and physical ability to not be the focus mm-hmm. um there's a there's a flattening and egalitarianism that you want to work with in this workshop but then at some point where there's, uh, say, a 40-year-old male participant and, like, a 19-year-old female participant, and one's dancing for one and then one's dancing for the other, then you you see all of your cultural baggage activated. Yeah. And and then you see it, them notice it. Yeah. And it is just the conditions for something to be noticed to happen. Yes. Something um, outside of that space. Exactly. Yeah. The, that thing isn't happening, but yeah. we're all feeling like something's happening. Yeah. And that's my. Uh, and it then could it be, allows you to you maybe to talk about that thing. And or, and yeah. to use it if you want. Yeah. When you're constructing a performance. Yeah. And for the performance not to have to churn through emotional turmoil to produce something. Yeah. But actually, you're setting up the conditions for something. Yeah. That's. Um, it reminds me, I did this training in Meisner technique. Do you mm-hmm. know about Meisner? I don't know, no. Um, it's like a, it's a technique that actors use okay. to try and um, work with real emotion. Okay, that they're feeling. Yeah. Okay. And it's like a, it's like a dialogue okay. that, that happens where you, two people stand on stage and you start by um, observing something in the other person. So you start very simply. Mm-hmm. Like you've got brown hair. I do. And then you would just say to me, I've got brown hair. I've got brown hair. Yeah. And then I'd say, you've got brown hair. I've got brown hair. And he'd say, yeah. Yeah. So we do that. And then 
we'd keep doing it until something changed okay. um, so we'd and then you might observe something in me like right. um, your arms are behind your back okay. I'd say my arms are behind my back so you'd always be making an observation from your own perspective of what was happening in the other person yeah. but what happens when you do it for a long time yeah. is that like you start noticing things like you know you're dubious of me uh, you know and then you'd say you're i'm dubious of you even uh, if it wasn't uh, didn't feel true to you you'd repeat it back yeah and then actual real emotions happen because uh i guess you're really paying attention to the other and actually trying to see them as they are yeah um and it's really it's an amazing technique where like yeah you're kind of something real happens on stage yeah. but it's um it, and it's not acted it's just um through observation and through you right. know recognizing someone's recognizing you then you recognize it in yourself or you or you think it's not true and then you get angry at them and then they tell you you're angry and then and yeah i do you uh, yeah i'm interested in do you, that process um, a lot uh, feel emotions as part of your performance is that something that you think is in your toolkit where you go through an emotional journey yeah I think that that's when it feels like there's something that's been successful in the performance I think when I allow myself to right. like be in the room right. and feel feel what it's like to be there yeah. with the other people or yeah, yeah. even to feel I don't think it's necessarily about trying to conjure particular emotions like no, um, yes. this performance is like relates to me feeling, you know. <laughs> no, it's um, more like just having all of your faculties there for whichever one may be most useful. Yeah, or just like, I, I, I don't know, I feel like scared, not scared, but I feel, du- I feel, <laughs> I don't feel dubious either. I feel like nervous about using the word authentic, but yes. I think that if something... Um, if there's like a feeling of like tension or a feeling of like um, pressure or something, it's kind of interesting to try and yeah. work with that in the in the moment, and yes. sometimes even like acknowledge it vocally because mm. I because I use language a lot. Like somehow try to bring that in. Yeah. Um, How do you find the use case of? Um, performs language versus uh, group dialogue versus written text mm, that's an interesting question oh yes <laughs> <laughs> nice one um, I think that um, oh shit I've got a good answer for it <laughs> it um, seems like you have access to all of them like that you have the skill to wield all of them they're different weapons <laughs> uh, and that you your anchor of searching for and facilitating and noticing um, the conditions for emergent magic uh, connection that your intention to facilitate those things are best served differently across these different mediums. 
Mm. And when you choose to, like, why, when you choose to write, why is it that that thing is better in writing than in discussion? Yeah. Or that that thing is better in discussion than in performance? I think the, the thing I'm, like, likening it to is, um, like, I've been writing some poetry, but I haven't ever, for a long time, I haven't ever thought it was something. Mm. And then recently I've tried reading it, doing some readings, like um, poetry readings. And there's something about um, the words do something on the page and then when I read them out loud and when I hear myself in the room saying them, Mm. it feels like, um, I don't know, it just feels like I'm able to speak or something, I'm able to like uh, show myself. Um, be seen or something Mm -hmm. and yet if I'd just gone up on stage and tried to like say something or improvise yeah um I don't know but there's like so so what I think about is also the other side of it rather than what what medium am I doing it in it's also what medium is it being received in Mm. and I think that about dogmatic texts being so incredibly uh poignant mm. is that when I read I'm read I'm I'm forming that in my own head and my yeah. own brain it's not a, it's not voice. an other voice it's my voice yeah. telling me these concepts yeah um, if I would liken it to say the experience that I have with the Bible I may read a passage yeah or at in a church sermon and they got a little pamphlet and you yeah. read the passage and then you hear everybody say the passage around you and you're yeah. saying it with them. And those two things are so different. Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's exciting, yeah. I think. I think something about saying things out loud yeah. is really exciting to me. Yeah. And I think that that, like, there's something I want to do which I haven't done yet. I don't, it, I haven't found a way to do it. But, like, when I'm doing those conversations events, conversation events yeah. and people are saying things out loud that's completely unscripted yeah like I'm rec- I record all of that and I transcribe all of it so I've got it all as like a essentially a script yeah um but I wonder yeah I wonder I think it's different two different things like then rereading something that you said naturally doesn't have the same power sometimes but um what I found is speaking someone else's words as if it's like, you know... Um, uh, speaking someone else's naturally said words. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there's a power to that. Wow. Um, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. don't know why. But um, so I think for me, if I like ever script something, mm. it's often a kind of almost like a, yeah, a kind of combination of different voices mm. that I'm trying to kind of use in order to say something yeah. myself yeah, yeah. Um, and this comes back to like uh, multi-subjectivity yeah mm. yeah um, do you know what it is that you're trying to say just because we focused a lot on mm. medium yeah and technique mm. and the potential of it but I uh, now we probably should talk about your agenda yeah yeah I think I think a lot of what I find it I think actually it's very connected to my personal experience of being in groups or being 
um, yeah, like uh, the relationship I have to being in groups, mm-hmm. and also my own experience of trying to learn things or trying to feel um, like my voice is of value or something. I think there's something on my agenda about trying to it feels a bit lame to say it but like reassure mm-hmm. myself that that um, that my voice has value or that um, I can somehow create situations in which people can connect and I can connect with others um and it feels like a bit weird saying that because it feels a bit like I don't know. Do you, I? So it feels a bit close to home or something. But I wonder why you would not presume that your voice has value. I think I think it's something to do with um, having to contextualise a lot, mm. like either through education or when you're teaching having to put your own ideas into context somehow got me into this mode of thinking that like I couldn't I couldn't just talk about my experience or my own ideas without them somehow have being based somewhere else right. or being being based in someone else's ideas or yeah. um and I guess that's just maybe it's just like maybe I just need to accept that like of course we're not none of us are in a vacuum and we're all all of our ideas are kind of coming out of uh, something that already exists but also I kind of liked what I want to try and do with the work is like also bring things back to like a very base level like a fundamental level and kind of see what happens when we just observe very basic simple things and that to be like enough for the conversation to happen or enough for um, for us to like experience the world kind of on a on a very kind of um, simple level again mm. something mm. Um, don't know does that feel too basic <laughs> <laughs> no no what does it feel like It feels like putting your skill or faith or in the hands of the situation and the people who make up that situation mm. so that whoever you are and whatever ideas come of it are uh, of it. Mm. That's a, yeah. That's a nice way of putting it. I think. Well, yeah, it's also a bit basic because they just said the same words twice, and so sort of it's, it's like as soon as something starts sounding poetic, you got to be a little bit <laughs> mindful that maybe you're just leaving too much room for interpretation. Yeah, <laughs> you're not saying anything. Yeah. yeah. Like once, my dad was like, "People are people." <laughs> I was like, "He's right." <laughs> oh my god, Dad! <laughs> right book. Uh, it is one of my favorite things about language though 
is that it can be what it needs to be. But uh, I also like when it is... I don't know. Semantic arguments seem a little bit pointless to me. I like when mm. the words are efficient placeholders for the experience that we're discussing. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and if we don't have a shared experience to discuss, then we should give ourselves the conditions to go and share the experience. Right. Then have the discussion. That's Yeah, that's great. So that's like something about... Say we're all... Yeah, that's kind of allowing us all to be different, right? And then... And then creating a condition around which we could like share something yeah and then and then that's like a kind of catalyst yeah yeah Um, maybe that got my own agenda in that comment but like I think that that's what I'm really interested in that that like those shared situations might not be like um oh we're all having the same experience or Mm -hmm. we're all coming at this um like like there's a lot of yeah like kind of trying to acknowledge the differences and then if at least if we create some kind of situation or we all partake in something yes there's something between us that um yeah. is like a medium that yeah no uh, like a meat yeah like yeah. an object around which we could yes um That's come together or talk it. about it or, which is the proposal of the olympic games right <laughs> is to be an object that we mm. all like the nations come together to meet each other through what happens if you don't go to the olympic games though i mean i as personally as a viewer yeah what do you mean as a nation uh uh, both i think i think the nation stands on behalf of its people in that situation yeah uh and if you boycott the olympic games that's like a political statement yeah right um, as a nation. As a nation. <laughs> not as a one one viewer that decides not to buy a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, Olympic no, Games. Although I did just hear that um, breakdancing is being included in the French oh, Games. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? That's really I good. do feel like it's very hard. <laughs> Does it have to be hard to be included? Uh, well, this is my feeling about dancing, at least, is that if there are no ways to fail then there's nothing to achieve and so what is there to hold my interest right if i can't aspire okay and even if what i'm aspiring to is um a more embodied experience of rhythm it doesn't Mm. it's not doesn't have to be competitive at all Mm. it has to be like okay this time that i do it it feels kind of disjointed and then the next time that I do it, I feel more at home with it. And then, okay, finally, this rhythm or movement pathway or beat or musicality has taken up residence in my body and can be activated. And then that can be either in time and space, it can give my body back to me, or I'm going home to my body, which is a post that I liked on your Instagram this morning. It was like a piece of paper that you had found on a street corner. Oh, yeah. I was like... What does it... It said, I'm it, going home to my body. Or, like, did it? Yeah, oh, something. Shit. No, no, Look, it I was. I have been misquoting. No, 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 no. It was exactly that. It was like, retur- yeah, returning to the body or something mm. as like a note. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, get milk on the way home and get back to your body. <laughs> um, so, yes. I think that's interesting in terms of like what it sounds like you're describing is 
yeah like through the through practicing or mm. through kind of getting to know a rhythm or being able to kind of co-opt it and mm. um, something else can emerge and it's like really when you you can see that when you watch yeah. someone you can see that they've co-opted it and they've yeah. they've made something with it it's co-opted them yeah as well. yeah yeah and there's also something about what it no no I lost it so I was just was just going to make something up can't remember I'm about to um, start an MA tell me about it in movement well <laughs> it's um, yeah it's, you'll be a master mover well let's see <laughs> that's not what the does end. that entail it's so it's um, it's called creative practices dance professional pathway okay and it's the idea is that it's for people that have an art practice or some kind of practice yeah um and then they want to kind of put that into context within dance maybe they're already a dancer whatever Mm. um but my hope yeah like the focus is a lot on embodied practice and on different somatic and how do you um weed out embodied practice from bullshit in in mm. in like like something that lacks rigor you mean or like yeah yeah i well i don't know because there's a lot of super cohesive worlds of completely f- fictitious rigor mm. um many religious and shamanism mm-hmm. embodied practices mm-hmm. uh but they are very cohesive within themselves and they right. might deliver you to a heightened state. Yeah. But actually what they are referencing as causal attributes between you and reality are wrong. And sometimes that doesn't matter because there's, no, mm. there's no one suffering adverse consequences from it. Yeah. But sometimes it really matters, like cultures around, I don't know... Um, All cultures have an issue with this. But there are some things that you apparently should do which is supposed to be for your betterment, which is actually for somebody else's suffering. And you'd hope that you can weed those out. Right. And I think that even about... uh, Like, why... Why do karate practitioners stand in a line, like in a grid, when they're doing a presentation? Is it for the neatness of the, the view, like to view them, and so that you can better pick out their differences or their sameness, or um, is it for order, and is it to intimidate an opponent? That which is the reason that mm. um, army platoons stand in ranks, right? Because that level of controlling chaos into order is. Um, <laughs> Intimidating to an adversary, mm, right? And and what what do you think could be like the adverse effect of of like an embodied engaging in an embodied practice? Like, mm. like what could be the kind of negative effect? Do you think of that on like the other or I would say the audience or you could even drag self-flagellation into embodied practice, right? And that. Yeah. That's... 
first of all, you should have agency to do with your own body whatever it needs. But you're not the only person relying on your body yes. in a society and in a yes. community. Other people rely on you That's interesting, to yeah. help them, to facilitate them, which means that you need to be in the best health that you can be. Mm. Um, and that, of course, that's like not super prominent, but there's a very cool um, sci-fi book called Project Ito or um, Harmony where the human population shrunk to the point where everybody's body is now also a hugely important asset to the survival of the species and the community. Right. And so there's... So we're not just out... Yeah, we're not out for ourselves. We're we're thinking... Uh, in a community, yeah, community sense, it's, yeah, the, we're just part of a larger system, or yeah, as a population yeah. of a species, um, and so as a rebellion, three teenage girls um, decide on a suicide pact as a form of taking back agency over their own bodies. Wow! Right, um, like a self sabotage. It's almost like it's a self empowerment. Right. Yeah. Because they've been told that their body. Only th- serves the community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, fuck that. Yeah, yeah. Which I also totally get on yeah, board with. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so there's things like that. And I, I could extrapolate that to say alcoholism, yeah. acculturated alcoholism. I'm like, fuck, you're not doing, beyond your first or second or third drink per day, you're not doing anybody any favours. Yeah. Except In fact, a disservice. Yes, yeah. and, and at some point it becomes a disservice. Mm. Um, and do we say that you're embodied practice is up to your own agency as Mm. an independent Mm. consciousness or do we say um, somewhere along the line the influences that tell you how to be with yourself have failed you and then we know better because I also am not really on board with that Mm. but I am on board with responsibility how to take responsibility for self and, and others and community and for others through taking responsibility for yourself it's like a sensitivity Mm. of it's like a it's like yeah this sort of um this like loop between like looking after looking after yourself enables you to look after others but also there's this thing of like can you ever look after will you ever have kind of given yourself enough care before you could care for others. Like, you need to kind of at some point get out, step yeah. out of yourself, yeah, yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if everybody just cares for everybody, then you don't need to worry about caring for yourself because it'll loop back around. It's interesting, yeah. But, I mean, you know, it's a failed system. But I also think about, well, like, doing things that are not necessarily destructive but are kind of outcomeless, say, embodied research. Yes. <laughs> for an example yes um and i i then i almost wonder okay it's not actually so much less productive than poetry which also n- not many people are asking for but we still like to do mm. and so there's a there's a doing of useless things as taking responsibility for your own health and um continued thriving and then I think about when we get to the point which we're like halfway towards and we're not fully there of there being nothing left for humans to do in terms of outcome driven focus 
or there's no purpose to our actions. There can be no outcome-based purpose. Mm. There can only be... Um, Survival. Uh, yeah, more like a... I would break it into things to be done and things to do. And all the things that need to be done will be done by, for us. And then there will just be the things that we need to do, which would be spending time with people, would right. be connecting, would be... I think one of the last like laborious activities that humans will have left is dancing. <laughs> because there's no demand... There, there's very little demand outside of the d- demand of the body itself that wants to be doing the dancing. <laughs> Whereas lovely. almost nobody yeah. wants to be the rubbish collector, but everybody needs the rubbish to be collected. And that's also a laborious task. And that would get automated or mechanised or whatever. So are you talking about how, yeah, those things can be... Then Those things are kind of increasingly taken off our hands. Yeah, and, and I guess I'm saying we don't want to outsource dancing. No. We still need to do it. But maybe we would like to outsource mining. Mm. That's completely roboticized. For but example. should we? Because there's also this argument of like, should, yeah, should purpose. we purpose? But also like uh, people getting cleaners. You know, the idea of someone getting a cleaner because uh, they don't have that's time like to clean up to another person. Themselves. I'm right. talking like to a, at one point. Like the, when I think about mining, for example, it's much better that we don't have um, young mm. teenagers yeah. underground, and we've yeah. actually just got machines. Yes. That's yeah. around out. like ethics and safety and yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, it was a shit job for people to do in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's complicated because then very strong communities formed around these right. areas and professions, mm. and they built cultures. Mm. But then I guess that building a culture is really just a survival mechanism. Yeah, to what they had to do. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, also for us, like we're building a, a culture around being an artist who performs and writes and generates. Yeah. And that maybe is also just a survival mechanism to what we have to do, which is generate shit. Yeah, or legitimise our existence. <laughs> with output or with prestige or with acknowledgement from our peers? Or how do we... I think... I think it yeah i think there's something about like i don't know i feel like a bit lost for words yeah, at the moment enough. they but may have used all the words up no no i they you said loads of interesting stuff and i i want to be able to respond to it i think oh, can we like go back a few steps let's try yeah because i think that <laughs> it you talked about like poetry yeah and i was just thinking about just even like the title of audrey lord's poem poetry is not a luxury Mm. and this idea Mm. um and i guess she's coming from a very particular perspective as like a black woman and a queer woman and that idea that like poetry is not a luxury but somehow like a need and it's like kind of somehow having a voice or or like being heard Mm. um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How Do you to think we'll that, get to the point where having a job is not a luxury? Is having a job a luxury? Lots of people don't have them. But aren't aren't they the ones that are like more living in in luxury than 
uh, I guess a lot of people are not in, employable in a profitable sense. Right. And so they just fall through the cracks. Right, yeah. So, yeah, you're talking about people that, that aren't able to work or that aren't yeah. given value. Yeah, don't... Aren't given economic value or something. Yeah. But then having a job is a luxury. That's true, actually. Yeah, to to be validated by society in that way, mm. you must have particular credentials, credentials mm. and then... Yeah, or maybe yeah. it's just an economic basis of evolution, which is not something I believe in. Mm. But um, the nice thing about dialogue is that you can just say shit and then stand back and look at it and be like, oh, nah, that was dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope. I mean, I hope but we that's have a that lu- capacity. But that, in some ways, is a luxury, isn't it? In a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, yeah. What are the... Yeah. I want to go back to the, that yeah. thing about embodied practice and yes. responsibility yes. because I, I've been thinking about, I was actually thinking about that on my way here. I was thinking about, well, yeah, what um, what value is it to other people that I'm doing this um, MA, you know, in embodied yeah. practice? And what does me kind of uh, getting, in, getting in touch with a sense of an embodied knowledge or an embodied... Yeah. Um, understanding of the world yeah what does that bring i have a few possible answers you can tell me what your favorite one is and we can di- we can dissect them and undermine them yeah uh first of all you should do the thing that can allow you to bring the most like bring your your peculiar and particular skills and talent mm. most into the world I think that's what that's why I'm doing the MA <laughs> that, that's a good answer I okay, think great. I think that that's what I realised is that I like to somehow accept myself for mm. who I was mm. I needed to do a course mm. that like accepted the kind of mm, in-betweenness mm. or something of my like skills or my in, my my interests felt like they didn't Although it's an academic course, they didn't, like, fit into, like, somehow, like, uh, particular disciplines or particular, like, fields of study. Yeah. And so I think a course that somehow allows you to kind of, um, I don't know, like, examine who, how you could, like, lead from the body or lead or, like, have, find kind of power within yourself to kind of talk about things or yeah. talk about the world I, th- I thought that would be like yeah. the most empowering thing to do rather than to say right I need to somehow fit myself into um, a discipline where I'm going to be able to get a particular job now because yeah. um, I mean that's useful as well of course yeah but, but I find I... that difficult <laughs> well, I do <laughs> I don't know whether that's laziness or I, I just find that no. difficult. I mean, you could say that it's not a luxury. You could, because from one side, one may say it's a luxury to have difficulty putting yourself into a profession. Yes. And then the other side, you could say that's not at all a luxury to continue to put the effort into how you can most develop whatever it is that you've been given. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and like accept that and allow that, and and not have and to kind it and of acknowledge um, it and validate it. Mm. I think the the world is more rich and colourful for that. 
but I don't know if it's necessarily more economically viable. Definitely and, not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know whether I need to take responsibility for that. Probably not. Yeah. Mm. I think if if I could find something from which I could teach mm. from within that, mm. I think that would be interesting. Mm. Like, um, maybe that's just about being able to teach an approach. Yeah. Which I think is what I've always been more interested in or felt more capable of doing rather yeah, than teaching yeah, yeah. A, medi- a particular medium. Yes. Yeah. And... and One of the exciting things for me about the structure of teaching and approach is that, once again, you start at base and you go on the journey with people towards finding the emergent. And along that way, you're practicing and training the skill that tells you how to choose a direction Mm -hmm. and when something has the potential or is emerging and then how to maintain it and that that hopefully works against unquestioning dogma and ideology yes uh, yes and i'm really interested in doing that yeah, I think. yeah and that that also hones your um your ability or your or your capacity to discern what is like uh, uh, an impulse or an idea that's actually shit or an instinctual leaning that is more aligned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Because I don't think that every impulse or desire or response (laughs) or instinct is useful or good or helpful. Yes. And... It can divert us or it can... Yeah. Yeah, it really can. And... To give credence to our innate intelligence um, before training it is super dangerous. Right. And so somehow training innate intelligence, training instinct, mm. it is without necessarily uh, towards a profession, but towards its full manifestation, makes you more forces you to be discerning with what is this thing that you're building what is this capacity that you're honing is that then about like questioning what your uh intention is um in the long run or is it like you said it's not necessarily towards a profession but is it not are you trying to does it not have to at some point marry up with some kind of discipline or some like i wonder if like how do you gauge that whether you what you were talking before about ethics and right. a code of ethics. Yeah. And that you can't decide what what um, destination is the most ethical. Yes. But you can decide what you will and will not do along the journey there. Yes. And then the destination that you end up in is at, the, at least aligned with your true nature, which may work against... Um, fractured communities and fractured uh, senses of self and like psychiatric conditions and things like that um, yeah I don't know like th- people that inspire the shit out of me just somehow made it work to become 
what they had the capacity or the potential to become. Um, I met the dude who did all the fight choreography for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Right. And I don't think that... Like, there's no way he could have imagined that that job was going to exist (laughs) when he was about... um, learning the approach and embodying the physical skill set or whatever. Right. Um, but then that job appeared or he found that job because of... I think... He'd honed these particular... Somehow he was, he was ready for something. Right. So we're all preparing ourselves to be ready for something and then I we hope, can... yeah. Then we can best respond. Then we can be most useful. Yeah. Um, that's... Yeah, I think that's... I think that's the thing that I want to move towards, but also I find scary because I think Mm. this idea that maybe actually I need, I need, there's a need for me to move towards something that's maybe outside of what I know. Yes. Um, but then I could be most useful. Yes. It's like trusting in that and, Mm. um, this idea of ourselves and what we do Mm. as like an artist or whatever we call ourselves. Um, <laughs> may just have to shift yeah. if we are to be the most beneficial to um, to our species, yeah. you know. Yeah, and and societies and communities and future and, yeah, and other like, species. And also, like trying to think, I think it's important, isn't it, to think about like I'm trying to think. Well, who who is my community, and and not to kind of talk about community as if it's like someone else I'm somehow trying to um, Mm. inspire or activate because actually that feels wrong Mm. yeah disingenuous yeah Yeah. and then like what what really could I bring to a community that I'm not a part of actually (laughs) like I think it's something about I really yeah I think it's something about um, also taking responsibility for creating a community yourself and um, maybe also leading with what you need and that being like because there's there's a basis for if yeah if there are if there are needs that you need met like maybe there's probably other people and oh yeah you're never the only one yeah yeah Is there anything that we haven't talked about that <laughs> you want um, to talk about? I'm just wary of your time. Yeah. Um, I guess we haven't talked a lot about language. Mm. Um, and like using voice. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess like that's something that I'm like gra- yeah, grappling with a lot about like what what the function of language is in relation to say movement or um Mm. visual Mm. yeah the visual um and yeah I guess like I don't know whether to talk about because I've just started like painting which I've never I've not done since I was like 18 or something Mm. And I found myself, like, this desire to paint, but, like, just only having this... Only The only ideas that are coming to me are to, like, paint words or to paint... Um, I guess to paint, yeah, 
images of of to paint language i guess mm. and to think about like what um what language does to a space like for example i've been thinking about what the the physicality of language is like on a on a piece of canvas or on a piece of paper and and how it could also become a space in in and of itself and also talks about a space um and i think you said something earlier about like language being the being the thing itself Mm. or or I can't remember what it is exactly you said. Me I hope it was, it was inspiring. Yeah, it was and insightful. It was and... really. <laughs> I mean, it created a, an epiphany yes. for me. <laughs> but, I'm, I'm um, a bit addicted to that feeling, that realization moment yeah. where you take two things and then you smash them. Yeah, it's like the the conceptual large hadron collider, and the atoms are ideas. And some really good stand-up comedy does that, like political stand-up comedy. Right. What it brings... It just smashes an idea that nobody else is allowed to say, except a comedian, because they're like the gestures of today. Smashes the idea together, and then you have that thought. That, yeah, it's a connection. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess... I, I, I think we were talking yeah. about also what is the language serving, and if it's serving anything more than its own creation. That's your alarm for time true uh, be- yeah because I think serving anything more than its own yeah, creation well, yeah the, the reason I would propose what you made me remember that I have had thought in the past when you're saying that you go to paint but what you paint is words mm-hmm it's the same thing as when somebody goes to improvise, but they can only dance the, the movements that are in their body yes. and variations on them or failures on them. Mm. Um, people, Not everybody shares my point of view of that, but I think breakers, for example, spend a lot of time putting the movement pathways deep into their body so that when they freestyle, it can come out in a very um, coherent and structured well-executed manner. So I guess that's a call for... Is that a call for skilling? Like upskilling. Upskilling. It's, Reskilling. It, it's a call as, for, like, if you, if you want to paint something other than movement... Like, your hand is, is executing movement pathways. Yeah. And the movement pathways you've practiced the most are words. And so if you practiced other movement pathways, they would probably bubble to the surface as like natural instincts, for example. Yeah, right. So uh, do but you that's think a proposal. That that... I don't know if that's yeah. true. So do you think that there's some kind of I'm falling back on something then? N- not at all. I don't think it's about falling back. I think it's about um, you reach. Like when you're trying to speak to somebody in a different language and you know four or five words in their language and mm. you don't know any more. Mm. And you reach for your for the for the, the thought, yeah. And all you have is your language, mm, mm. <laughs> and it's it's that. Yeah. So maybe that's. I think that's that's okay, isn't it? That like totally that okay. I bring, and I guess that's what yeah, bringing that bringing your language to like the discipline of painting or mm, something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And considering 
yeah. what you were talking about considering the, the page as a space yeah yeah kind of architecturally or yeah just yeah just spatially thinking about how things sit in that yeah. space or yeah. well you're then and considering dialogue as a space and a group as mm. a space mm. that is cool it's very cool because it, it changes our expectation of what it should deliver to us mm. I think that's where the potential lies in it and the the freedom is the wrong word the the surrender is also the wrong word hmm I've got words that are close to what I mean but this this is what I mean this is why Wombat Radio right because a lot of the time the thing that movers and performers practice is a physicalization of an embodiment of ideas and concepts and not the verb verbalization of them mm, not the abstraction of them yeah well I don't know movement also feels like quite an abstraction in itself yeah um, unless you're miming, which I don't get into so much. I like but that's also an abstraction, unless you're actually <laughs> just physically doing the thing. Oh, right. So then you... Yeah, right. Can if we, you're a mime holding the prop that you're miming, yeah, okay, then you're just doing it. I can, can, I, can I leave on a quote by Merce Cunningham? <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> just to, like, really yeah, up yeah, the stakes. Yeah. Um, Are you sure it wasn't a woman that was around Merce <laughs> that well, said it? Well, it's in Yvonne Rayner's book. Ah, moving and okay, being moved okay. that she talks she says that when when Merce Cunningham talked about expression mm. he said if you want to express yourself go and weave baskets and I love that idea that like actually it's just the action of doing the thing that is the expression mm. or like and you, yeah mm. I would love to know how to weave a basket I feel like it would give me a sense of satisfaction that some dance studio sessions have not given me. <laughs> so I'd be like, well, I made this. <laughs> it's physical and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's tangible. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But yeah, I, I often don't think that the artist is... I don't think that their ultimate um, application in society is to express themselves. no. <laughs> and I, that maybe that is like a no a, a perverting of artistic practice that has been popularized by Apple, for example. Like everyone's an artist, think yeah. different, express yourself. Right. And I don't know if that's our job. If I was going to call us both artists and say that we're in the profession of self-expression, <laughs> <laughs> I would rather think that we're in the profession of considering medium and form alongside metaphenomena of communities and hyper-objects of climate and context and that we are seating those things back inside the human experience and that it is not ourselves that other people should pay to see expressed but it is but the thing the thing that we are all mm. somehow here scrambling about mm. with mm. yeah and then that that gives kind of autonomy to the to the to, to the, the work you're yeah, making yeah, as yeah, well yeah, and, yeah. and that it kind of removes it like you said i think it's interesting to remove it from the the name you know the the name of the artist who made it mm. Mm. and kind of we just yeah the attention's put on that instead i think mm. 
yeah any yeah any other epiphanies that you want to finish on or like pearls of wisdom that you've that you realize keep coming up when you so I asked this of my um a teacher that I had in at university in Melbourne and I asked her about wisdom and she told me that when you're on tour take your breakfast with you so that you don't have to see other people first thing in the morning so you can have your own time <laughs> I was like wow that's not what I thought I was going to hear <laughs> but it's really Great a pearl wisdom. of wisdom yeah. from experience yeah so I wonder if you have these things like as My you go experience. through the process of making work and presenting it and getting people together and collecting texts and then publishing them and mm. I think for me it's about um giving value to the peripheral material and peripheral activities because more and more I realise that that's the thing I'm doing that's the work I'm making really and the, the object that I think I'm working towards it, uh, it relies on this peripheral stuff and actually the peripheral stuff is more interesting nice. yeah. very good finish, thank you very much thank you Matt <laughs>